0: Hey, on a, th- today's episode of Next Level Physicians Thriving Outside the Box, I'm talking with Dr. Nilong Vias. and she is the owner of Sleepless in NOLA. We're gonna be talking about not only sleep health as it pertains to us, but sleep health as it pertains to our babies and how the disruption in the sleep of our babies can also impact our health as well. So I'm excited to get inside this conversation. We're gonna talk about, you know, uh, Dr. Vias's, um entrepreneurial journey right after this break. Welcome back, Tribe. You are listening to Next Level Physicians Thriving Outside the Box, where we invite doctors, dentists, and medical entrepreneurs who are breaking the mold, stepping outside the box as entrepreneurs, and practicing on their terms to share their journey, wisdom, and their inspiration with the world. I am your host, Dr. Maisha Claiborne. My calling is to help doctors find freedom, fulfillment, and full self-expression. I have helped dozens of medical professionals transform their mindset, leverage their skill set, and build profitable businesses and careers they love. Now, let's get to the good stuff. But before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an opportunity for inspiration, motivation, and empowerment with me and our amazing guests. Now, let's take it to the next level, y'all. Here we go. we're back with Next Level Physicians Thriving Outside the Box and I am excited to have this conversation with Dr. Nilong Vyas because You know, before we we talked beforehand, I always talk with my guests beforehand to kind of feel for, you know, we get a feel for each other's energies and the conversation that we want to have. And she talks about one of my favorite things, which is sleep and especially sleep in the babies. Uh, She's a a general pediatrician and the owner of Sleepless in NOLA, which by the way, I love that name. And um, I'm excited to hear not only about her entrepreneurial journey to create this, but also what it's all about and the importance uh, and how we, especially mommies in the house, mommies in the house can (laughs) really help our
1: babies and children to sleep better. So welcome, welcome to the show, Dr. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me in this time of a global pandemic.
0: (laughs) Yes, actually. It's more important to talk about sleep. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so so you know, it is important to talk about sleep in so many different ways. And before we jump into that, I really, because you know we all are physicians who have stepped outside the box. That's what this show is about, who have taken this journey. And it's not an easy journey. It really isn't. And so I want them to know what your journey has been like um, for you and how you even got into this. Give people some inspiration. <laughs>
1: Sure. So for me, my journey in medicine started in 2004 when I graduated from med school um, at LSU here in New Orleans. And I did my pediatric residency at Children's Hospital. And I then went to private practice um, and was in private practice for seven years. And during that time, I had two kids. My dad was diagnosed with bladder cancer and I was juggling, um, small children and being my dad's medical advocate mm-hmm. and being on call every third night oh and every God. third weekend and, and working. And, <laughs> um, it was proving to be, uh, difficult <laughs> to say the least. Right. And, um, and trying to find this work life balance, I started thinking outside the box and I mm-hmm. said, what can I do to continue practicing medicine, maybe not in the traditional sense, but still doing something, patient interaction, which is the main reason we go into medicine is to have that connection with others. Mm -hmm. Um, how can I do that? Follow something I'm passionate about still have time to take care of my kids and my dad and myself and my husband and my house. And we're building a house in the, during the midst of all that too. So, um, the The wheels started turning throughout all of that. And uh, I started becoming passionate about speak, sleep specifically when my kids were little and they were having sleep difficulties of their own. And um, in reaching out to others, you know, friends, family, the internet, uh, books, you know, I'm, I found that everything was so contradictory and confusing. And I, I had no idea which path to follow. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've said this so many times. Like one book said, you know, um, feed your baby on demand, and another book said feed him on a schedule. And one book said, co-sleeping is what connects you to your child and creates that bond. Another one said, if you do that, you'll your baby will die. You know, right? So, it was like, what do you do as a new parent? And having that like um, knowledge of pediatrics wasn't. Helpful necessarily in that moment of knowing, like I should know what to do. I'm a doctor. I'm a pediatrician. Like I trained for this day, you know. Yeah. But um, so, but I did take my pediatric knowledge and said, you know what? I need to delve into this scientifically mm-hmm. and look at the science behind it, and look at also my parenting practices and my beliefs and what speaks to me. So I uh, got into all of that research and then came up with a plan. Um, that I put into practice with my eldest or older one. Uh, I only have two <laughs> and, uh, he started sleeping better and eating better and was happier and healthier and just overall doing, um, better. And then I, uh, when I got the confidence of, um, him being successful with this, um, I started teaching friends and family and, um, doing consults that at work. And then with my second one, um, I put the same practices into place with him and he was kind of a more difficult child and, it worked for him too. And that's when I was like, you know what, maybe there is something. And so when I started feeling that inkling of this is really hard and I can't juggle it all, what else can I do? And I was like, I'm really passionate about sleep. Whenever I talk to any, I'm so excited about those well visits when I can, you know, talk about sleep. And so I was like, maybe I could do this. Maybe this would work for others. And I stepped outside of that box. And when I did, I said, I always knew um, I had medicine, traditional medicine to fall back on to. Right. And so I said, if that, this doesn't work out, I can always go back to private practice. And um, I did that in 2014.
0: Nice, nice. I love that. There's so many things you said in there. I mean, you know, I've got more questions, but there's one thing <laughs> there's one thing that you said that really caught me, which was, um, oh gosh, you were, you were talking about how um, Oh man, there's so many things. Okay. that that one's going to come back to a minute. The the passion that you felt when you, the the excitement that you felt when you talked about sleep. So that's one thing, you know, people always ask, well, how do I know? How do I know? And I really resonate with that because you, you know, you said every time you talk to your families about sleep, you got excited. For me, it was every time I talked about like anything mindset, like changing their mindset and belief patterns and and, you know, stress management and mindfulness and, you know, like that, so I really get that. And so like for the listeners out there, for the docs out there, you know, the medical professionals who are like, well, you know, I, I have so many ideas or I could do this. And I always talk to my people and tell them, look, don't just um, pick something because it sounds good, pick something that excites you. And I love that you really talked about that and displayed that because, you know, And if you and if you don't have a clue, think about, and I always ask this question, think about, when you're in the office of the patient, when you're in your workspace, when you're doing what you're doing as a doc, what is it that you get most excited about your job? And perhaps that's the clue to where you could actually break that off and
1: create a business from it. So that's really, really great. Um, Yeah. I used to do these prenatal visits, Um, uh And during then, that's when I was like, <clears throat> make sure you, you know, even like they, the their baby wasn't even born yet, and I was like, make sure you know, blah 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 about sleep. And so um, I think there was even a patient like then they um, decided to have me as their pediatrician, and when they came back to the um, initial like one week or uh, well visit, mm-hmm. um, we we talked about sleep, and I remember them saying, "You're really passionate about sleep. Like that's really something you you're um, you get excited about." And I was mm-hmm. like. I am.
0: That is something I get excited about. That is a clue. That is a
1: clue. Yeah. And and I also love too,
0: and I say this all the time, like when, if there's a problem, like there's a problem that you have that you solve for yourself, sometimes if you're not the only person that's having that problem. And I know as physicians, and I've talked to even my own personal clients who you know, part of their issue with getting their work done as in their entrepreneurship is that their kids are staying up till eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And they can't, they can't actually, you know, they don't know how to train them or how to put them down at a particular time. So this is an issue amongst our community as well. And there is so much different information out there. And I remember we talked about, you know, I'm, I'm coining it sleep shame, <laughs> co-sleeping shame, you know, like you know, when my son was born and I had a C-section and, you know, the, the the baby was, he was not a light baby. And so, you know, it's like he, I slept with him, you know, I was like, look, he's the boobs here and he's right here with the boob and he's sleeping and I'm sleeping, you know, yeah. <laughs> not just, and I forget, I was always nervous to say it out loud, to talk to other doctors about it. Cause I felt like I would be shamed. And so there are so many different points of view and there's different, you know, um, Recommendations and things like that, and to have someone like you who can uh, really you can, you can personally consult with to, to say, okay, this is what works for you. And one thing works for one child, and one thing may work for another child, but it's all about personalization. And I think yep. that's also a great thing about what you've done is that you've personalized your service.
1: Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, you know, there's a hundred books out there, if not more. And I tell parents, you know, what I'm telling you isn't anything earth-shattering. Yes, I did all the research and kind of figured out things that, you know, worked and, and combined it together to make make a program, but it's nothing life-shattering. But getting it to apply to you and your situation, if you have just one child, or if you have three children, and, you know, depending on your work schedule and your partner's work schedule, um, you know, other caregivers, grandparents are the worst. caregivers <laughs> 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 Most parents are like, Oh, yeah, my, my mom is the babysitter during yes. the day, and yes. she doesn't listen to anything we say. And so she holds the baby and rocks them to sleep. And then we come home and we try to do something different, and the baby's not having it. So, right, right. Um, you know, to get everybody on the same page, um, you can't find that information in a book. Yeah. Tailored to your specific situation.
0: Absolutely, it's so funny because I just totally relate to the parent thing. My mom did; she she um, blessed her stayed with me the first year of my son's life so that I, you know he could stay home. And yeah, we we had we went some rounds. <laughs> we went some rounds because I'd be like, she'd be like, "Well, why are you doing it this way?" And I'd be like, "Look, you raised me, but this is my kid." my kid and I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) (laughs) And finally she got on board and you know, we were, we were in harmony, but man, that's, that can be a, a challenge. Speaking of parents, let's talk about like the whole act of transitioning out of traditional medicine. What was that like for you? What was that experience like for you?
1: It was tough. It was tough because, you know, you have, you're preconditioned with all these ideas in your head of, what's the right thing, you know, and most of the um, input that I was receiving when I brought this idea to friends and family was, but you went to medical school, and you spent all this time, and money, and energy becoming a doctor, and you're not no longer being a doctor, and so um, to do this business, you know, to start this company, and I'm like, it's, yes, it's not traditional doctoring in the Mm -hmm. traditional sense, but I'm still meeting with families, giving them advice, teaching them what to do. And that's a lot of what doctoring it is. Mm -hmm. It's not just prescribing medication. It's changing, um, behavioral Mm -hmm. modifying behaviors. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, um, that was really hard to kind of get over, um, to, like take that those naysayers and you know make sure they didn't infiltrate my brain yeah you know, it, was, it was hard to you know kind of push that out but ultimately i had to keep telling myself this is what's going to make me happier um i feel like i am still doctoring i still feel like it wasn't a waste um to, to do what i did and um you know i always have that to fall back on if it doesn't work out but this is what i want to do and it was difficult but um when I started becoming more successful, I felt like I did have to prove to everyone, look, see, I got more, another consultation. Mm-hmm. See, look, I'm I'm um, being asked to be a speaker here. See, mm-hmm. look, you know, it's, um, but after a while I'm, I've gotten to the point where I, I know I'm successful and I yeah. don't have to prove it to anybody anymore. Yeah. Um. Every now and then those little doubts kind of creep in, but for the most part, I'm able to um, put that to the side.
0: You know, and this is really interesting because I preach this all the time. So it's nice to hear it from another entrepreneur. So you've been doing this since 2014. And um, so that's, you know, we're six years in and you st- yeah. and, and sometimes it still creeps up on you. Right. And I tell people that all the time. People are like, well, how do you overcome, how do you overcome imposter syndrome? And it's like, well, every time I release a new product, every time I release a new program, every time I do something new, it just creeps up. But I think after a period of time of you knowing that you make an impact, knowing that you're good at what you do, knowing that you can be successful, you know, prove it, having proven that to yourself, that it it comes and it goes. Yes. So it's it's it fleeting. Doesn't linger. It doesn't I, linger
1: as long. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you know, it's an interesting thing for you know our 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 um, docpreneurs and our, our medical entrepreneurs to hear coming from more than one person because I feel like. Um, I'm always saying it, and it's been a while since I've heard someone else say it. So it's 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 a nice reinforcement there. Um, I love what you said about because this is sort of my thinking as well. Um, if I wasn't successful, I would always have something to fall back on, and that's it could be a double-edged sword, right? Because at the on the one hand, you yes, can, you're sort of it could impede you from going all in, right? Um, or at the, but on the other hand, it gives you that initial like confidence to, to try it. Like, well, you know, worst case scenario, I'll, I'll go back to being a doctor. Not like that's bad or anything, but like worst case scenario, you know, I always have my clinical background, which is one of the unique things about our profession that I, that I, like I said, I think can be a double-edged sword. Cause I know for myself, I had to, in order to create the circumstance where I was full time as a coach. Um, remove the capacity for me to go back to being a doctor. I mean, not like back as in like, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like to go back to that traditional clinical practice. And what it looked like for me was selling my practice. And so I had created a sell date and it forced me to go so all in because I knew that I would have to replace that income. And I also knew that I was not going back to doing traditional medicine because I was my practice was integrative. And I knew that I absolutely could not go back and do that or I'd be miserable. So then it it was removing that backup plan in order for me to go all in.
1: Yeah. And that happened to me. I had an opportunity a few months ago to go back to private practice. Um, A friend was like, listen, do you want to just work part time? Just a few hours, whenever you want, it can be flexible. Um, And I thought about it long and hard and I was like, oh, I could do that. It'll you know, keep my skills up. I'll um, get to, you know, even though I'm seeing clients and seeing patients, I'm not holding those babies all the time. I'm not examining them. I'm, you know, so I miss that. And I was like, so I can do a little, you know, I'll be the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. I can do that. Um, And I envisioned it. I kind of put myself in that Place and said, okay, if I'm um, having to juggle both, what's that gonna look like? What's my life gonna look like? Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to take a really long, hard look at it. And like all those, like, sort of anxieties and tensions and um, stress started bubbling up. And I was like, you know what? It's, I want to, there's a part of me that wants to, and I would be doing it though for the wrong reasons, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, I had to then say, I don't want to go back to private practice, and I did at that point start moving forward a lot, like you said all in um, with the business to um, I'm ready to kind of scale it and grow it, and I'm taking really big strides to make that happen now, because like you said, I don't want to look back
0: right, and it's so interesting because um, you know even as recent as you know the last this this co- this like piece COVID piece. I had considered, well, maybe I could do, or maybe it was, it was maybe in the last year, but then COVID came and I thought about it too. Maybe I could do like um, a little locum shifts here and there. Because as a family doc, I really loved doing urgent care. That was like one of my favorite things, right? And I thought, well, maybe I could go and do a couple of urgent care shifts. But once you get that taste of freedom, and for me, it's like freedom, time freedom, schedule freedom, you know, like your own boss
1: freedom, my yeah. own
0: boss freedom, how much money I, I can produce, you know, I'm at the source of how much money I make freedom too. And you know, I talked to the locals provider and they were talking about these 12 hour shifts. And I, I mean, I used to do them, but I've got my son and it's just me and him. And I'm like, what would I have to, all the things that I would have to do to make that work. And then being away and missing bath time on those days, even if it was just like one day a week was not worth it for me. I was like, no. And so you get a taste of that freedom and it's, it is, it makes it, you know, it's like you go through the door and the door shuts behind you. And then you go through the door and the door shuts behind you. And so I really get it. And, and, um, and, and I really love that, you know, you're, you're now pushing forward to grow and scale, because I think that is the next level that we have to, um, you know, that we have to think about when we become entrepreneurs, when we start our consulting businesses is not just staying at that same level, like, Oh, I'm content.
1: Yeah. Right. And that's okay too, I guess, you know, uh, for some, and I, I struggle with that too. It's, Mm -hmm. um, when it's your own business, it's your own baby. Mm -hmm. And, um, you have to put those time constraint boundaries, Mm -hmm. there too, because it's easier to say, well, it's mine and I have to, I have to write this client back. I have to respond. I have to do this, um, because it is a service based industry in Mm -hmm. this sense. And so, um, I have to be really careful of that, um, for myself and make sure that I don't fall back into those same patterns of right. like working too hard and working too long and staying up too late. And then there's a little bit of that you have to do to grow your business initially. Mm-hmm. But you know, when I did think about growing it and, and scaling it, um, I know there was a point where my husband's like, well, why are you doing that? Like, just, you know, we're good. We're, we're at a good place. You're at a good place. You're seeing clients. You're having time with the kids, having time with, the, you know, us, just all of it. It's, it's a good work-life balance. Why do mm-hmm. you want to work more? Um, and it's, because uh, you know, there, being physicians, I think you have this, and especially being entrepreneurs, you have this inner drive mm-hmm. um, to do more, achieve more. It's not always good to do more, you know, achieve more and keep uh-huh. driving and, and striving. Um, it's good to know too when you're at a good place to settle, yeah. um, or not settle in the in the bad sense, but like Pause. be okay with where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I I do struggle. Do I? do I stay status quo or do I keep pushing forward and there's when I really sit back and really sit with it and really think about it I do want to push forward
0: well yeah it's about impact right I think that's why we push forward it's 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 for most especially for physicians and I think people don't really get this about us is that it's not about the money it's about the impact and we push because we want to make a bigger impact a wider impact a deeper impact right and yeah. I think the way to do it, and this is one of the things that I've learned in growing and scaling into various capacities, you know, doing the business coaching versus also doing the mindset work, the deep mindset work that I do now, is it's all about having a good team. So when you get to that point where you're like stable and, and, you're, and you're at capacity, then that's how you know it's time to bring on a team member that can take on the things that you would normally do that you don't have to do, like virtual okay. assistants or social media marketing or, you know, like social media management, in fact, blog management, like things like that. So as I've grown, I can still work this, you know, four day a week, you know, fairly truncated schedule and, 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 and produce even more because I have a good team and, and that's the way we scale. That's the way we scale. Yeah. So, um, one thing that, I remember what I was going to say earlier that I thought was just really great that you said, is people ask, because people ask me this, why would you give up being a doctor? And um, I think that it's important to point out, and I think you pointed this out really nicely, is that we went to school for however long we went to school to get these two letters behind our name. Um, Or if you're in the UK, four letters, right? MBBS, I believe it is. (laughs) we got people listening from all over <laughs> so to get these letters behind your name and no matter what happens no one can take those letters away all right you went through whatever training you went through after that to get your spank to gain your specialty if that's what you did and no one can ever take that away from you mm-hmm. so like i said i and I, and this is something i had to contend with too like going into because i went i i, I went from practicing integrative medicine to coaching doctors and then coaching in business, which is, doesn't ha- have much to do. <laughs> <the doctoring. laughs> so, so then, you know, it's like, how do you contend with that? Because I'll always have that, that knowledge. And then like you said, just using that knowledge in a different way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not, you're not using everything you learned in medicine, but Mm -hmm. you're using a lot of it, you know? Mm -hmm. The the only part you're really not using is the um, writing out the scripts every day, you know? Mm -hmm. But everything else, the interpersonal skills, how to work with people, how to communicate your Mm -hmm. vision or your ideas or your advice um, was, you know, we were trained for that. We're trained to do what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of physicians can be really great coaches, I think, because we have that. Yes.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about what you actually do. I want to talk about the sleep stuff because you know I love sleep <laughs> stuff. So let's talk about the sleep stuff. What? Tell yeah. me Tell me the, the kind of consulting that you do in your practice. What does it look like? Um, tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so I'm teaching parents how to get their kids sleeping through the night in a gentle and safe manner. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, so when parents identify that they have a problem they reach out um they go to the website and make a free 15-minute call and we chat about what specifically is going on and which way i can help them the most there's um you know just a simple one-hour consultation or a full like three-hour consultation with a written sleep plan and six weeks of um, email support and implementation assistance like you know the whole kit and caboodle so um, depending on where they are and which um, where their children are and what sort of problems they're having, I'll determine what um, plan or package would be best for them to achieve their goals of getting their child falling asleep independently, sleeping through the night, falling asleep for naps, and taking the required amount of naps they need. A lot of parents are not offering the naps to their kids as as many as they need developmentally for their age because they're tired of the fight, you know? Mm-hmm of the, uh, they must not be sleepy, they must not need the nap because they're fighting me, so I'm just gonna avoid it. And then you're raising these kids that are super overtired and um, their little synapses are just, you know, push the brims and um, they can't take in everything that they're meant to take in because they're so overtired. And so um, I work with them, you know, through that period of time until the, the they're successful. That's super cool. That's super cool. And it's yeah. The the goal is to do it in a gentle manner. You know, to work on um, establishing a good foundation for sleep um, Mm. and looking at uh, for toddlers like behavior discipline Mm -hmm. and um, eating habits and patterns, and for little kids their eating habits and patterns. And um, behavior and discipline in the way the parents respond to them, because mm-hmm. obviously you're not putting a four month old in timeout, but it they're they're still responding to your verbal cues and your yeah. uh, you know physical cues, so uh, teaching the parents what to do and how to respond to them so that they're setting up a good foundation.
0: Mm-hmm. very, very cool. yeah, um, I think that I think I shared this with you. I wish that I had known you back when my son was um, learning to sleep through the night because uh, we didn't, I didn't get a full night's sleep up for the first 15 months of his life. And, uh, you know, there were some times when we got <laughs> close. And, but you know, it was interesting. I remember this when I had him because I was very scared about the sleep thing. Sleep has always been a thing that's very, very important to me. <laughs> and yes. I said, okay, when I remember bringing him home and thinking to myself, all right, because I had read some children don't sleep to the, through the night, especially breastfed children don't sleep the night until they're about a year when you're weaning them off. And so I said, okay, one year of no sleep, I can handle it. <laughs> it's like residency, right? It's like three years of residency, I can handle it. Four years of med school, I can handle it. One year of sleep, I can handle it of, of no sleep, right? But, um, but yeah, I w- You know, what you do is so valuable, and especially I think to mom docs. Are there any, what are the, some of the more common Things that you see, problems that you see, or, or, or um, challenges that you see, especially in the the you know how they perform, prof,
1: highly high performing professionals that you that you
0: manage that you deal with.
1: Um, especially with mom docs, um, I think because they're out seeing other people's kids or other people, and they're busy and they're working and uh, away from their children, and then they come home and the only real quality time that they're having with their kids is overnight mm-hmm. um, and so a lot of mom docs are okay with the multiple overnight wakeups and feeding them or nursing them um, because they're like this is my time with them I've been gone all day and so I'm okay with my kid waking up once or twice um, overnight but I usually get the calls from them when that one or two times becomes four or five times you know because um, the kid doesn't know well this time is okay for me to wake up and nurse and You know um and then this time it's not okay and so uh they're like well you helped me here so you got to help me here and then the one or two wake-ups become five or six wake-ups and uh it gets difficult to have to go back to work and actually function in the job you know doing whatever it is uh that they're doing a lot of surgeon moms you know waking up at the crack of dawn having to perform surgery or anesthesia um uh, or whatever specialty it is, it's difficult with with um, decreased sleep, but they're pushing themselves harder and harder because that's their only time. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel for them, but I always counsel them that uh, you're doing better by your child if you allow them to sleep the, the 12 hours straight through the night, 10 hours straight through the night. You sleep mm-hmm. your 10 or 12 hours straight through the night as well, or eight or nine, um, And then the time you do have with your child is going to be a lot more meaningful and they're going to be better rested and they're going to be able to interact with you in a better way because um, they're better rested. And so, um, I try to, you know, and because there's so much emotion and, um, feelings sort of tied up in all of that, Mm -hmm. I, that's why I offer a more gradual sort of option to work on the foundation of sleep. The foundation of eating well and working to gradually eliminate those associations, so that it doesn't feel like it's a lot more stress for the parent as well as the child. Yeah
0: is is there is there a thing? And I just thought about this. You know, is there a thing that um, parents do that you you see parents doing that is like a oh my gosh, let's not do that one? Is there one thing that you see commonly done that is kind of like a Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just wonder, you know,
1: (laughs) mostly the, the thing that the, the, where the significant amount of sleep issues come from is because the parents are the child's crutch. The parents are the thing that the child needs to go to sleep. So whether it's like rocking them to sleep, nursing them to sleep, feeding them a bottle to sleep, holding them to sleep, pacing them to sleep, whatever it is, whatever act you're doing, bouncing them to sleep, you know, on like exercise balls, whatever it is that you're doing to get them to sleep. um, When they wake up at the end of those sleep cycles, you're going to have to be there to do that same thing to get them back to sleep. So um, that's the thing that I feel like I tell parents all the time. So whatever um, habits or things that you do to the child or for the child, are gonna be what the child thinks that are supposed to happen like they're they're just waking up because it's the end of a sleep cycle mm-hmm. they're they're like well that's what you did when I went to sleep so I woke <laughs> up so now you got to do that again you know so that's that's usually the number one thing that and why parents come to me because the, the the child has all these like interconnected associations of how to get themselves to sleep so um, and they become dependent on that parent to do the that same thing so
0: yeah looking back on it I can say that nursing my child to sleep was the thing. It was the thing. It was the one thing that if he was like, if he was upset or crying, I could always put him to the boob and he would just be like, that was our bonding time. And I think that is why I did not sleep for the first 15 months of his life. <laughs>
1: yeah. They, they, Then they think that that's what's supposed to happen, right. you know? And, right. and it, it's not anybody's fault. It's not the parent's yeah. fault. And I, you know, I want them to know that because what happens is, especially when they're infants and they're crying and you're like, well, and especially when you're exclusively breastfeeding and mm. you're like, well, I don't know if there was a gauge, you know, that was like, mm. okay, you're half full or half, <laughs> half empty. <laughs> You know, he's had two ounces, of four ounces. In. It would be a lot better, but since right. you don't know, and when the child starts crying, you're like, well, it was probably because they didn't feed well enough. They didn't, I didn't have enough milk. They didn't get enough, so let me put them back on the breast. And then they feed again, and you're like, see, that's what it was. They were, they were hungry, but then they pass out, and you're like, oh, well, okay. Well, they were hungry and sleepy, so that worked out. <laughs> and then, you know, then they wake up prematurely from that nap, Probably because they didn't get a really good feed. And so mm-hmm. then they wake up and you put them back to the breast because you're like, I don't Oh, It was probably because I didn't really get a good feed, even though it, you looked full, you <laughs> right. looked happy, you looked, uh, you know, milk drunk. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were full, but maybe you're not. So let me put you to the breast again. They fall asleep and then the cycle just repeats itself. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it's just about education, right? At the end of the day, all of the coaching and all of that is just educating parents of what yeah. to do and what not to do and what to look out for. And to know that if you kind of set up that, if you get into that habit, that's okay. It's not your fault. It's not the baby's fault. It happens. Um, But just working your way away from that and teaching the child to fall asleep independently without the breast or the bottle or the rocking or the bouncing Mm -hmm. or the pacing or the, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So random question about baby crying. And you may already know this, know know, know what I'm about to ask you, but There's this woman who was on Oprah, who talked about decoding the baby cries. Yeah, and I happened upon her. I think maybe it was a friend of mine who may have sent me the link to the interview. And I have to say, now I don't. Maybe I was making this up. I just maybe I. I. I, But I have to say that really helped me in the knowing which thing it was when the baby cried. Like I literally listened for these distinct cries is that
1: is that a myth or is that real no i think it's real. i mean the babies are born knowing how to communicate Mm -hmm. we're just not born knowing what that means you know Mm -hmm. like what you know and a lot of times i mean intuitive intuitively moms know But we're bombarded with all this other information from friends family you know internet whatever Mm -hmm. saying well uh, your baby can't stay up that late or your baby can't stay up for that long or your Mm -hmm. baby can't you know they have to eat this much or Mm -hmm. you know it's all this like confusing stuff so that we lose sort of touch with what the baby is telling you and that's one of my basic principles with this process is to follow the cues follow the cues of the baby and know what they are telling you to do it's not forcing them into an eating schedule or forcing them into a sleeping schedule but developmentally there's guidelines of what they should be doing for eating and what they should be doing for sleeping but if it doesn't fall into that that's okay um, we have to trust the child and a lot of my um, uh, principles are based on figuring out that you know teaching parents how to figure that out so they know what to look for and they can respond appropriately you know if the child is it's easy with a toddler, you know, it's easier with a toddler knowing like, okay, if they're, you know, pulling at the pantry door, they're probably <laughs> hungry, you know. Um and and with babies, they may root, but rooting can mean a lot of things for a, a baby. They may just want the breast for suckling or for comfort or, you know, so um or sleep or for actual hunger. And so decoding all of that and un unlearning some of the things that parents tend to learn. Um, so that they can get them on a proper schedule and uh, um, do the right thing for them at the right time.
0: Super cool. So you can, as you can see, I love talking about babies and sleep and, and decoding as much as, as you do. I, I just don't know as much as you do about it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I don't need it anymore because my son is five and a half and we are on to other things like yes, being creative around teaching him how, you know, like the reading, the reading space, right? So he's learning mm-hmm. how to read and uh, I'm I'm learning his learning style, which is a big kinesthetic. And yes. um, trying to be creative in empowering him to enjoy the learning, the read, the reading learning process. <laughs> There's that. So I love what you're doing around sleep. Um, and I imagine, oh now here's another question. I imagine that you know, we're talking about babies, but I imagine that the sleep, this, the the sleep issues don't stop with babies.
1: No. Right. Yeah. uh, um, Some parents, you know, get tired of it earlier and call me when their baby's four months old. And they're like, I can't handle this anymore. I need help. Mm -hmm. Some parents let it go until they're toddlers. Um, And a lot of parents are like, okay, eventually my kid will grow out of this. Or um, they get pregnant with the second and they're like, all right, I can't have a toddler and a newborn not sleeping. I Mm -hmm. I need help, you know? So um, the the problems, um, it's not, Usually, if you kind of fix it in the um, infant stage and in the early newborn stage, and kind of develop good habits, you tend to generally do well. And if there are issues because of an illness or travel or something like that, it's easy enough to fix because they've you laid that good foundation down. Um, the families that call me with kids that are older is, is because they most likely never really had good habits to begin with, and now it's just gotten worse. And now the kid is vocal and you know, more mobile and, you know, and now it's more difficult. So it's, if you set that, and that's why I really encourage parents to um, see me when they're pregnant, you know, and we, we come up with a plan of what to do before the baby's born. And then we do like a follow-up graduate, like a newborn um, program. And if you set all that up right from the get-go, a lot of times you don't have to undo anything because Mm -hmm. then the kid just knows, and you know, instinctively what's supposed to happen. Um, But it's never too late to start. Um, I think my oldest client was 10 because the parents just assumed it would eventually go away, but it it didn't. And the older they get, the more these issues sort of get ingrained. Yeah, that's
0: that's really great. And I love that you suggest that mommy see you when they're pregnant. Because again, it's all about that preparation, and yeah. you know, even though I didn't, he, my son never slept through the night until he was fifteen months. I think at some point it, I was only waking up once a night, but I did. I felt like empowered to have, and I had a friend of mine who who had a, a, a daughter who was maybe just a few months ahead of me. So she had done all this research and she was sending me all these resources, and and I was trying all these various things and like the the napping schedules and the and and the the the, the different um swaddle gear. i mean i had so i I had so many swaddle gear i had to like there was a swallow then there was the like the the snuggie swaddle thingy and then it was so kind of yeah it's hard to keep up keep up to date with oh my god but what i will say is that you know one because of the structure that i kept um even though it wasn't you know i wish i could have had him sleeping through the night earlier i I feel like now he's he's so good with sleep you know like He goes down, he's five and a half. He goes down at 7.30, you know, he sleeps by eight. And then, like I said earlier, I'm a single mom. So then I get that evening time to kind of decompress myself. And then he wakes up at seven-ish, you know, and so he gets a really good night's sleep. And I get a really good night's sleep. And I know moms, my friends who have kids his age, whose kids are staying up till like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and i'm like it could not be me (laughs) so it is important to have this structure in place earlier than later you know like to have the structure in place what even when you're pregnant so that you can you know set a plan and i think you said something really good earlier i think we kind of passed over it but having people on board having the family on board having the parents on you know the parents of the parents on board you know, having the spouse on board, even the other kids in the house on board, because I think when you make it a family affair, it takes all the pressure and the burden off of mommy, because we have a lot of pressure and a lot of burden to make it all work, you know? Yeah,
1: I always say at the consultation to have both uh, parents present, Mm -hmm. and I also say if there's a grandparent that's involved in the care of the child, having them present, Um, any babysitters, caregivers, having them all at the consultation together. And if they can't be because one caregiver is taking care of the child so that the parents can focus on the consultation, then filling them in and making sure they're on board too, because it it just won't work. And the child, they're smart. They figure it out. And they're like, all right, I know that I can do this with mom, (laughs) but I can't do that with dad. Um, Or I know I can get away with this with grandma. Um, I had a family where they're like, Oh, the kid does great when they go to grandma's house. They, the grandma just puts them in the bed, says goodnight and leaves, and they sleep all night. And usually, it's the other way around. You know that they're they right. may do fine for the parents, but not so much for the grandparents. But these grandparents were like, you know, we we're down. We 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 want our time. Like you know, yeah, we're right. Old. right. <laughs> we're old. We got we got to have our time in the evening. So you know, it's just a matter of yeah, getting. It's a collective sort of yes Uh, group effort to make it work yes and these
0: kids are extremely smart because i had the whole incident with my mom she's like oh we never have a problem putting them to sleep and then you know my son's like mommy can you check on me (laughs) you know like uh, three times so i started saying no i cannot check on you until after you go to sleep (laughs)
1: yeah or where my mom where i was like you know when she started keeping the kids i was like you just have to put them in their crib and leave And she's like, yeah, but I want to like snuggle with them. And then, you know, as they got older, she was like, I just have to, I have to lay in there until they're asleep. And why did they go to sleep so easily at your house? I'm like, you created that association. Right. right. (laughs)
0: Because you got to snuggle with them.
1: That's why. (laughs) Yeah. You wanted it once. They're not going to be like, hey, that happened to me once i don't want it again they're gonna be like this is kind of nice i'm gonna right. make sure i get this every time I'm you gonna know?
0: milk it for all it's worth <laughs> it's like kids are so fun man it's just you know it's fun to see their the, their little minds their little minds tick right well this has been an amazing conversation all the way from the entrepreneurial piece to the sleep piece it's been fun uh we i could we could probably go on and on because i do love this i do love talking about the kids and and babies and sleep and all of this but uh, i know you probably got to go and do some work yourself so (laughs) i'm going to let you go back to work and uh get myself back to work as well but i i just appreciate you coming on and being willing to share being willing to share your journey and to share a little bit of tips on you know what you do and and so for all the listeners out there who want to get in touch with you and that, and, and I imagine you consult nationwide. Is, is that, is yeah. that the case? Yeah. Uh, so, globally. Yeah. Globally. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You got people from the other <laughs> country. Cause you know, this is a global issue. Kids and sleepers. <laughs> <is>. Yeah. So <laughs> how can people reach out to you if they want a consultation with you?
1: So the easiest is to go to the website, uh, sleeplessinola.com and book a free 15 minute consultation and we'll um, chat and figure out which um, plan or package would be best. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of tweaking a couple of things in the schedule, and sometimes it needs a more intensive approach. So um, we'll talk about all of that and, um, in, the, in the free call. So uh, sleeplessanola.com and uh, slash consult if you want to go straight to the booking a consultation. And then for physicians, if they have referrals um, and they want to refer patients, there is a patient referral, so sleeplessinola.com/slash/patient-referral. Um,
0: awesome, awesome. Okay, <laughs> we'll make sure we have that in the um, show notes today. All right. So sleeplessinola.com. If you want to book a consultation, you could do it from there. If you want to, if you're a physician, you have patients you want to refer them for consultation, you can refer there as well. You can go there as well, and I'll put the backslash links in the in
1: the comment in the notes. Um, how can they follow you on social media? So I'm on Facebook, uh, Sleepless in NOLA and, uh, Instagram and Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, and all of those handles are pretty much Sleepless in NOLA. So, um, and all of that's available on the website as well. And for those who are interested in, um, getting newsla- newsletters, we usually send out weekly newsletters with, um, tips and videos and that sort of thing. So, um, they can sign up for that on the website also.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: And you're on YouTube as well. I am. I, that's a recent, uh, thing since the, um, leverage and growth accelerator group, I decided to, uh, go ahead and make that a reality. I mean, I've had videos up and they're all over like on Facebook or the Mm -hmm. newsletter or whatever, but I put it all in one place. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm starting to develop that as well as video content library for, uh, families. Um, yeah that's
0: good that's that's a way and then just you know pop just to pop back over to the entrepreneurial piece again repurposing content because you can download all your videos from Facebook and then just uh, upload them to YouTube Um, if you wanted them to be cleaner you could always have somebody edit them that's what I do but most of the time I just stream live right to YouTube and Facebook at the same
1: time yeah learning how to edit and do all that is is definitely a process right now it's just you, you, what you see is what you get yeah and that's and that's
0: actually <laughs> the best way because there's that authenticity in there and i think that that's what people really go for um there yeah. are circumstances where editing is is is, is wise but mo- for the most part i think people like to see see us as we are so i've learned <laughs> that and i'm just like you know what here i am <laughs> so strong work all right, good. So you guys go and check out sleeplessandnola.com. Um, follow Dr. Nilong on all of her social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. It's all Sleepless and Nola. That's impeccable branding, by the way. Very good. And, um, and, and join her on YouTube. Can they search Sleepless and Nola on YouTube and then find your page? Yep. There you Thank go. You. Yeah. Just um, put in the search handle Sleepless in NOLA. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Neelong for like joining us, for joining me for this conversation. I've had so much fun. I appreciate you. It was great. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. All right, y'all. Um, you heard it here. Thank you so much for listening once again to this episode. I would appreciate if you love what you're listening to, if you dropped a little comment, a little testimonial on whatever platform that you listen to, to let other people know that this show is legit. So go ahead and do that. And you know how to find me, drmaisha.com. But the main star of the show today is doctor sleepless Mulan-Vias, sleeplessandnola.com. So look forward to the next show. Y'all stay safe, wear your masks, um, stay safe, safe in those streets or stay out of the streets and we'll see you on the next episode. Namaste. Bye. Thanks for spending time with us on this episode of Next Level Physicians Thriving Outside the Box. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as the rest. Remember to go ahead and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time a new episode is released it is you as our listener who help our podcast to grow so if you like this podcast if you enjoy what you're hearing if you are inspired we'd really appreciate it if you write a quick review and share it with five of your friends we want to continue to expand our reach and bring this transformation to all of those doctors and medical professionals out there who are still seeking more autonomy more freedom more expression, and purpose in their careers and lives. Finally, if you want to learn more about how I can help you as a doctor or medical professional transform your mindset, leverage your skill set, and create a profitable business and career you love by your design, please check out my website, www.drmyesha.com. That's D-R-M-A-I-Y-S-H-A.com. On my website, you can access one of my three free masterclasses to get you started on your journey to the next level. Have a wonderful rest of the day and an amazing rest of the week, y'all. And keep your head up looking to the next level. Namaste.